1: Christian, you got that on the blood? You got what you sent me? Come on, bring it up here. Let's, let's. We uh, ministered a couple weeks ago, and we're not through yet on the blood. I think it was a couple Wednesday nights ago. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, our salvation is a, is a legal thing you're legally been bought and paid for with a price. Legally, you belong to God. Legally. And he has a legal right to you, and Satan has no right to you because you've been bought legally by the blood of the Lamb.
2: Yeah.
1: And Christian, uh, one of her gifts is prophetical in the sense of it can come in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Bible says, singing to make you melody in your heart to the Lord. So sometimes we call it, Hers comes sometimes during praise, worship, any time, studying, Uh, ministry time, people teaching, get things, prayer, whatever. So we call it downloads. But this is about the blood. I want you to hear it. I guess today, this morning.
0: This This is uh, the blood of Jesus. This is the blood of Jesus, I proclaim over every title that can be conferred and every name that can be named. The blood of Jesus that brings to naught all the enemy has planned and all his wicked plots. The blood of Jesus that causes to be that which man would call an impossibility. The blood of Jesus which demands a bended knee from every kind of sickness and every infirmity. The blood of Jesus that flows from the highest peak to the lowest plain that wipes out all condemnation and every sinful stain. The blood of Jesus I decree, that I'm one with Christ because of his blood shed for me. The blood of Jesus I do not take lightly, its preciousness I do esteem highly. The blood of Jesus, the blood bled for me, the blood I plead, the blood that has set me free.
1: Let's thank you for the blood. Father, we just bless you this morning. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. We are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You bought us and cleansed us and washed us in your blood. There's power in the blood. Amen. Praise God. Well, we'll let children go to Children's Church. Praise God. Teacher wins again. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk about something equally as important. The subject is too vast to cover even in weeks or months. We'll know this in its fullness when we all reach heaven one day. Right now we have a flesh and bone body. On the earth, you lead this life and you're going to be with him in heaven. You'll have a glorified body. Not believe that it will be a blood body, but it'll be a glorified body. The life is in the blood, but in heaven, your life will be fueled and energized by the glory of God. And so I want to talk about the glory of God this morning. Say that with the glory of God. Thank God for his glory. You know, all creation exists. And the purpose of all creation to exist is to manifest the glory. We're surrounded by the glory. Everything in this room this morning is of the glory. Everything outside the room is of the glory. Everything that we can see in all creation is on display is the glory of God. The glory is in every tree, in every flower, in every blade of grass. Every living creature displays God's glory. Every bird, every fish, every insect, from the ladybug to the elephant, the glory shines forth from them, from the sun and the moons and the stars and throughout the billions of galaxies, the glory is on display. It's the glory of God in every human being on earth. You have it. So do you, and so do you, and so do you, so do I. We all have the glory of God in us. It was King David, the psalmist, who wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Creation itself is God's glory on display. Isaiah 6 3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Well, some say it's some form of uh, divine energy or something um, you know from uh, supernatural, it is supernatural. Some say it's just something that's mystical, something that floats in the atmosphere something ethereal, mystical. But I want to tell you, the glory of God is much more than that. Amen. The glory goes beyond all of these things. The glory of God is the character of God. Amen. The glory of God is his divine nature. Amen. The glory of God is the very essence and the very presence of his being. Amen. Hebrews one three tells us that Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation Of God's glory. One uh, translation said, Jesus is the exact likeness of God. He is the very perfect imprint of God. Jesus is. So He is the expression of God and of God's glory. The Son Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, and He is the exact representation of His being. He, Jesus, sustains all things by His powerful word. He is the glory. When the glory touches you and I, what touches us is the true weightness of God. Perhaps you've been in services, and perhaps you've been in prayer, but you've been in meetings where you sensed a tangible something you can feel. You sense a weightiness in the room. You sense a, uh, there's been questions for years that say, well, I know that sometimes when people pray for people, why do people fall down sometimes? Well, sometimes they fall because they saw somebody else fall, and they didn't want to look less spiritual. There's no spiritual blessing in falling. The anointing can come in a lesser degree or higher degrees. And if, the, if it comes in in a higher degree, and when the supernatural meets the natural, one of them's is going to give. Generally, the supernatural wins out. <laughs> Although there's been plenty of times, I guess I could have stood, but it was, it was, I was finding it harder to stand than it was to, to, uh, to fall. So I, I enjoyed that. It, it's just the true weight in the presence of God. And it's being released into our lives. The Hebrew word for this, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kebab. And it literally means, it has many definitions, but it means the abundant riches. So when we're talking about the glory, we're talking about riches. You know, we don't think about it that way. But this is the, actual the Hebrew definition of the word glory. The abundant riches is the glory and the splendor. It's the honor of God. The root word of glory indicates a literal weight so that we see that the glory of God is a tangible presence of weighty, abundant riches, honor, and glory, so when God comes into the room with His presence, the room
2: gets weighty. The room gets weighty when he shows up
1: he be, He comes in as a literal weight. Moses himself experienced this glory. Moses experienced the tangible presence of God. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking with you. And if when they hear me speaking to you, Moses, he said, they'll put their trust in you. It says on the morning of the third day, this is Exodus 19:9, 9 and verse 16, it said on the morning of the third day, there was a thunder and a lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and with a very loud Trumpet blast. It's through the scriptures that we read about the glory of God coming into the people that he visits us. He visits people, always has. In diverse manifestations, he comes diversely. He's, and he always has chosen to release his glory. And he does that many times through signs and wonders and miracles and demonstrations of the holy Ghost and of power that... The, the Bible says that their faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When God visits a place, now you understand he's always with us, but when God comes to visit, he brings everything of him in. Amen. How will heaven be illuminated with the glory of God? When you get a spirit body, it'll be, of course, nothing like your body. It'll just look like your body, but it won't be you'll get a body that'll last for eternity that'll never need rest. That's kind of hard to fathom, isn't it? I mean, sometimes when you've had a full day, you look forward to laying down. I, I, I laugh at kids now when I say, you know, when small kids when they they get upset or they go to crying because they have to take a nap. And I'm thinking, you won't in a few years. <laughs> Just keep on living, little boy. <laughs> you, and you'll get to one day, huh? But you know, you go to heaven, you'll never need one. You'll you'll never know what tired is. You'll never know what pain is. Sickness, there is none. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's so much joy of the Lord in heaven, you have to have a body because this body can't cannot cannot withhold, or, or, or cannot experience that type of joy and live. Did, did you hear that? Your body could not handle the joy of the Lord in his fullness. You have to have a spirit being to be able to contain that kind of joy. Hallelujah. Don't miss heaven. Don't, don't miss heaven. Amen. Amen. So he comes in his weight, in his glory, and he brings abundant riches. God pays his own way. Hallelujah. 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 So when he, he comes, he's always chosen to release the glory, once again, through signs and wonders. When the glory is there, it may come as a thunder, it may come as a lightning. Exodus 19, it came as a very loud trumpet blast. Sometimes the glory comes as the cloud, which you could read about in 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14, or Exodus 40, 36. In Second Chronicles, after they had built the temple and they were dedicated to God, the worshipers came in and the praisers come in and they began to praise the Lord. And they were presenting the temple to God. They were dedicated to him. The minister went up to minister, but the Bible says the glory cloud came in so heavy, so strong, so weighty that the minister couldn't stand to minister. Couldn't stand. He couldn't stand because of the presence of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes the glory comes as a flame of fire as in Exodus 40, 38, and Acts 2, 3. Sometimes the glory comes as dew upon our clothes as in Judges 6, 37, and 38. Sometimes as a mighty rushing wind as in Acts 2, 2. Sometimes the glory comes as, as manna or provision from above as in Exodus 16. The pages in our Bible, the scriptures, are filled with miraculous accounts of God's glory. Appearing for his children, a lot of times in angelic encounters, as in 1 Kings 19, Acts 10, 3, and Acts 12, 7-11. Miracles like the pool of healing water. Or in John 5, 1-15, through where Jesus took water and he took water and transformed it into a heavenly wine or even like financial miracles released in unexpected ways in Matthew 17. Why should we expect anything different today? Our Bible proclaims that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not. The glory of God is full of miraculous signs and wonders because it's full of God. The glory of God always draws us closer to Him because it's he, and he reveals who he is. Often, often when the glory of God comes upon us, I know upon me, I get filled with great joy. Great joy. Great joy. You know, sometimes life is just so busy, we're just doing so many things that we're, we're doing one thing thinking about what we've got to go do next. Maybe you're thinking about what you've got to do in, in the next 45 minutes. Well, if I could just get that thought out of your head for just a moment. You know, the least thing that you're ever going to do in life, because Michelle was talking about eternal life. No, it's not. A lot of times we think that just means, you know, living somewhere uh, forever. But eternal life is the life of God in you. But you are an eternal being. You won't be an eternal being when you get to heaven or hell. Don't go to hell. But, I mean, you're an eternal being now. The moment that you was conceived, you became an eternal being. So the least thing that you're ever going to do is what you're going to do on this earth. You say, "Well, I, I plan on living long. Grandma will live long." Well, that's grandma. But that ain't necessarily you. But if you live to be a hundred, heaven won't be that impressed. I always say God has shoelaces and his tennis shoes, older than that, huh? It's about what you've done and what you've seen and what you've experienced during the time that you're here. Apostle Paul. Of course, he had some help in dying. He died, at, let's say, about the age of 57. He lived more life than most people if they lived to be 300. Hallelujah. Make them count. Make them count. It's amazing to realize that as the New Testament believers, that we are we are the containers and we are the carriers of the glory. See, we're talking about the glory of God, but I'm going to take it to the next place. You're the container. You're the carrier of the glory of God. You carry God's glory, the Bible says, in this earthen vessel. You put the glory of God on display. Amen. And um, so how do we respond to the glory? How do we respond to the glory realm? One author says when you touch God's glory, he'll always give you unusual instructions.
2: The glory realm is the atmosphere of revelatory knowledge. One author said, when
1: it's revealed in the heavens, or whatever is revealed in the heavens becomes prophetic to the earth. Whatever God reveals from the heaven becomes a prophetical word to the earth. Unusual instructions will always require unusual obedience. So in order to receive from the glory realm, you must be obedient to the heavenly vision. God will always ask you to do something that's impossible not something possible. Revelation demands activation in order to produce a manifestation. Obedience always releases the blessing. Isaiah 6, 3 and 4 says, the earth is full of the glory of God. That means Jemison's full of the glory of God. That means where you live is full of the glory of God. Habakkuk two fourteen says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of, of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We quoted this verse a moment ago about the heavens are displaying the glory of God. One translator said the heavens are telling telling the story of the glory of God, which is Psalms 19.1. It means that he's shouting at you this morning. The heavens are talking a story. He shouts with clouds. He shouts with the blue expanse of the sky. He shouts with gold on the horizons. He shouts with galaxies and stars. He's shouting, I'm a glorious, glorious God. Open your eyes to me. It's like this only better if you know me. If you had eyes to see me in this room, you would see the glory of God everywhere. All we really need is eyes. All we really need is eyes. Ephesians 1, he's called the Father of glory. Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be open to the Father of this glory. We need eyes more than we need anything. The God of this world has blinded the minds of believers to try to keep them from seeing the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that's in the gospel. I say your eyes are open. And not blinded. So once again, the glory of God
2: is the totality of who God is. The Lord's really wanting to talk about this. I got this on a lawnmower. I got off the lawnmower to write it down. I asked the Lord, what is, what is your glory more than anything else? And his words to
1: me was, the, my glory is my character, my nature. It's the very essence of who I am. He said, my, my people, my ministers seek what my glory will do,
2: but they don't seek me. The glory of God is the totality of who
1: he is. His essence, his attributes, his majesty, his power. The glory of God is the atmosphere in this room of God himself. Who created the atmosphere? God himself. This atmosphere, is he is the designer and the architect of it. Without the oxygen in the room for us to breathe in, we're gone. So the essence of his of who he is is just in this room that allows us to live moment to moment. The glory of God is the manifesting presence of God. There's two Hebrew words to describe the glory of God. The first word is Shekinah. Most of you are familiar with that word, right? What does Shekinah mean? Shekinah is the very visible. Manifestation of the presence of God through the appearance of either clouds, fire, smoke, appearance like the Son of Man, or like the angel of the Lord, or like light. Here are a few examples where God appeared in a cloud. In Exodus 40, 34 and it amplified it says, Then the cloud, the Shekinah, God's visible presence, covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Listen to that one more time. The Shekinah glory of God, which is the visible presence of God, came down and covered the tent of the meeting. And then the glory of the Lord then filled the tabernacle. In 1 Kings 8, 10, 11, it says, but when the priest had come out of the holy place, then the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priest could not perform their service because of the cloud. They could not do their job because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. One, I'm assuming the cloud was so thick they couldn't see what to do. Secondly, because of the presence of the cloud that was there, they were too weak to do it. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Well, sometimes he appears as fire. In Exodus 24, 17, in the NIV says to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of a mountain. Moses, said, led the flock to the back of the west side of the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Moses, in flames a fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush there was a fire, but the fire was not burned or consumed. The Lord comes as a smoke, the glory does. The seraphims were looking one to another, an angel. They were looking back and forth at one and another as they were looking on at God on his throne. And the angels saw all they could say. Now, you realize the God's been on his throne forever? And Revelation tells us that there is a vast thousands upon thousands of thousands upon thousands of angels around the throne room of God. And they've been doing this since the very beginning. And the angels still fascinated at everything they see about God
2: after so long. Hmm. Here's what the angels said
1: around the throne who have been around the throne since the beginning of time and when they look at God they say holy holy
2: holy is the lord god almighty the whole earth is full of the glory of god
1: see they're they're in the heavens looking down and they're seeing the throne room and they're seeing this glory
2: is in the earth everywhere the whole earth is full of the glory of God. You get a little clue when you go to places like the Rockies,
1: the Smokies, the Oceans, the Grand
2: Canyon, that God had an idea and he went. Whoosh. It said he he made the skies like he would spread out a curtain and he went, Whoosh and created billions of galaxies.
1: They said that God opened the Red Sea for Moses and Israel with the blast
2: of one nostril. But what happened if he ever sneezed?
1: Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of the glory. At the sound of their voice, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with the smoke. The question is, if the whole earth is full of the glory of God, why is it that not
2: everybody experiences the tangible presence of God's glory? Maybe there's a little clue in the book of Isaiah where it says, Arise
1: from your dis- your depression, your prostration, in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of God, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah sixty. We said that the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, that refers to the glory of God. But what does it mean? It means everything who God is, the totality of who God is. God does whatever he pleases through whoever he chooses with no one's permission.
2: God initiates what he works. Romans nine sixteen says, So then it's,
1: it's not a question of human will and effort, but of God's mercy. It depends not on one's wilderness nor of one's strenuous exertion, but on God's mercy. Isaiah 14, 24 and NIV says, the Almighty has sworn saying, surely as I have planned, so it will be as I have, as I have purposed it to be, it will be, it will stand and no one will change it. Why don't you find a plan for your life that was determined before you was conceived? Use that verse, huh, as surely as I have sworn, so I have planned your life, so it will be now we have to yield to him, right? We have to say yes to it, and he says, and that purpose will stand, and no man will be able to stand before God. No one' stopping you. Did you hear what I'm saying? Amen. No one or nothing is stopping you. Amen. Did you know that you're here this morning and you're not restrained? God told Joshua, no man will stand before you all the days of your life. The same way I was with Moses, the same way I'll be with you. And there were some that was a little concerned. Was Joshua up to the task? They had to be. Because God did for Joshua, he did for Moses. God told Joshua, he said, tomorrow about this time, he said, you're going to cross the Jordan and I'm going to give you a command and you're going to to give the command and when you give the command, this Jordan will open up like the different Moses and they'll say, God certainly him like he was a Moses, we better do what he says. Huh? God put his endorsement there. Amen. So no, no one stops the plan of God. So... The kebod, the glory of God, is everything who God is. It's his attributes. His, it's God's his very majesty. It's God's power manifested through his sovereignty at his own initiative by his mercy. Actually, if you do a word study on the word glory from the Hebrew, the word kebod
2: has 20 meanings. You want them? weight, wealth, power, majesty, influence, great honor,
1: fame, reputation, recognition, beauty, magnificence, strength, dignity,
2: splendor, respect, excellence, greatness, Holiness. See, we just say, Father, we thank you for your glory.
1: Did you know you were thanking him for his reputation? That word reputation is found again in John 17, the night before Jesus was crucified. He prayed for you and I. He prayed for his disciples, not to take them out of the world, but Lord, keep them in the world. Keep them as they're in the world. As you have kept me, so keep them. He said, in the same glory that you sent me into the world with, he says, now I send them in it. In other words, he said, the same reputation. He said, they'll have the same reputation. What I'm known for, they'll be known for. What I could do, they'll be able to do. What power you've given me, I'll give unto them. The same way the enemy couldn't stop me, he'll not stop them. The same influence because of your glory that's upon me will be upon them. Peter stood up a few days later and preached and thousands got saved. Two days later, 5,000 more got saved. And the church got started start in less than a week with 8,120 members. That's pretty good influence. Jesus Christ is the highest expression of the glory of God to mankind. He's the revelation of the supernatural God, and he's the full expression of God the Father. The Colossians 1.19 said, For it pleased the Father that all divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, should dwell in him, Jesus, permanently. Now, that's important that we understand that, because you understand that as a believer that you are in him and he's in you. You do understand that, right? But then listen to the verse again. For it pleased the Father that all the divine fullness of Christ, the sum total of divine perfection, should dwell in him permanently in his body. You are called the body of Christ. What I just said of you was this, the divine fullness, the sum total, the divine perfection is now dwelling in you permanently. You say, I thought you were talking about Jesus. I am. But I thought you just said me. I did. You're in him, he in you. He's the vine, you're the branch. The vine's connected to the branch. As long as the the vine and the branch stay together, whatever's flowing through the vine and and the root system goes out into the branches. You are the branch, you are the place the fruit comes on. So if you're someone says you're a little fruity, it's because you're supposed to be, right? Here's the thing, stay connected. Whatever's flowing through him has to be flowing through you. If he's scatterbrained, you are too. If he's as crazy as a road lizard this morning, you are too. But if he's full of life, you are too. If he's full of strength, you are too. If he's full of wisdom, you are too. If Jesus is happy, I said if he's happy. Yeah. You know, Jesus knew he was coming here to, be, to, to die and to be crucified. And, and the scripture itself says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy more than all his fellows. How happy would you be if you knew that by this time next week you're gonna be crucified? Would you be a sad sack? Huh? He was so happy children wanted to be around him. Crawl up in his lap. Huh? Told us to be just like them. Hallelujah. So if you're full of him, you're full of joy. Joy unspeakable full of glory. Ha ha Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you know that he's here? If you can breathe, he's here. Hmm. You can live two to three minutes, maybe with oxygen if you're real good at it So if we go beyond two to three minutes, we know that he's here, because He's providing the oxygen for us to be here. Hallelujah. So Colossians 2, 9 says this, for in him the whole fullness of deity. Now, who's who's deity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Say it again. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Let me ask the question. For it pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection should dwell in him. So the divine fullness of the deity is who? God the, God the, God the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, For, And you too are filled with him and have the fullness of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost in you permanently. You are the carrier of this glory. You are the container of it. It said of the verses before that the, the priest could not stand because the glory would come in the tent, in the tabernacle. You're the tabernacle in the new covenant. You're the tent, dude. <laughs> so you ought to walk around sometimes a little bit, a little bit light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wish I had a friend in this place. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1 2 said, Jesus be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of the person of the Father God. Colossians 1 27 says, To whom God made known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. And here's what here's what the here's what the mystery was that was kept secret for, for so many years. And it was revealed to Paul, the greatest secret. And Paul revealed it in Colossians 1.27. He said, God's no longer in a box. God's no longer in two tablets of stone that thou shalt not. God's no longer behind the veil. God's not shut up where just the, the high priest can get to him. He said, the mystery of all mysteries is this. Christ is now in you.
2: <laughs>
1: the hope of his weighty presence is in you. Hallelujah. Some generation is going to get this and do something with it, Hallelujah. not just go to church with it. Hallelujah. John 1 14 said, "In the word Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only one from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. So the question might be this. How and where do you make a sanctuary? How do you create an atmosphere for the glory? Well, once again, we are the human, as a human being, we are the carrier. We're the tabernacle. You are the slash ark of the new covenant. Did you hear that? You are the ark of the new covenant. (laughs) So you should be a little bit sparky, Mr. Archie. Huh? You are the tabernacle. You are the Ark of the New Covenant. When Moses got the, the Ten Commandments and it came down from the mountain, everybody, you ever saw the Ten Commandments? Charles, what's his name? Charles Heston, 1956 or 7 movie. Really great for its time. But he comes down there, and he's been in the glory for this many days. Corinthians tells us, Paul tells us, that when he came down from the mountain, being in the presence of God, they said his skin radiated. His skin absorbed the glory of God.
2: And he was so bright, you couldn't look at him. Because of his skin. You know, white folks go to the beach and they put we put oil all over us and
1: blockers so that you don't get sunburn. <clears throat> Moses met the author of the sun. He met the creator of the sun, huh? And he talked to him about the son of God. And when Moses came down from the creator of all there is in the display of the wealth of the glory, just being in his presence getting the tablet of stones, which is called the, the ministry of condemnation. The purpose of the, of the stones of the Ten Commandments was to reveal to man something he didn't know, and God didn't want him to know it, but man wanted it this way. God never wanted to give man the Ten Commandments. Man wanted them, he thought. They said, we just want God to give us rules, we're well able to keep them. God said, you're not. He said, but we think we are. So God gave him the Ten Commandments. They reveal God's nature, His character, His essence, His holiness. They find out quickly no man could keep them.
2: The scripture itself calls the Ten Commandments the ministry of death. The ministry of death.
1: Min- Paul was radiating with the glory of God through his skin that no man could look at him with the ministry of death. Paul asked the question, if the death could produce that kind of glory, how much more with what we got? Amen. We have the Spirit who gives life. Amen. Huh? Right. Moses quickly noticed something as he was coming down the mountain in the next day or two he noticed the glory that was upon his skin and radiating was fading. He didn't want them to know it was fading. So he put a veil, as it were. He hid his face, not so they couldn't see, but so that the fact they couldn't see that the glory was leaving him. The glory never leaves you. The glory is abiding. The goodness of God. What is the glory of God? It's the goodness of God. Moses asked in Exodus 33, he said, God, I want to see you. God said, No man's ever seen me lift. He said, But I want to see you. He said, I'll tell you what, son, you go get right behind them rocks right there. Right behind the cleft of the walk, and when you get back there, he said, I'll pass by you and you can see my back parts. So God has a back. How about that? Well, if it ever ditches. You ever had a place in your back you said, nothing to do with my sermon that you couldn't quite get to? Matt got some little scratchers back there. You ought to bring them to church and we'll say some for you. A little fork on a antenna. But anyway, best thing for an itchy is a scratchy. <laughs> yeah. So he said, get behind the cleft of the law. And he says, and, and and I'll come by you and I'll see you. I'll let you see my back parts. And then the scripture says this, God came by and showed Moses all. Now, now, now what what did he... Moses say, he said, I want to see your glory. Here's what the scripture says, that when God passed by, he let him see his back parts and he showed Moses all his goodness. His goodness is his glory. He asked for glory. God says, oh, then you want to see my
2: goodness. He didn't just see his back parts. Who did God use
1: to write the first five books of the Bible? Moses. Was Moses there in the beginning? How could Moses write anything about what God did on day one, two, and you ain't even there? It's because God passed by and showed him all his back parts where he'd been. Amen. (laughs) And where he was going. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. I feel good. Amen, amen. I feel really good.
0: Amen.
1: <laughs> amen. <laughs> Woo. Glory be to God. Something about the glory that makes you wanna laugh and cry and shout and I feel like a little boy. I want to play. It's like it's recess. I want to go splash in a mud puddle. I want to eat ice cream. <laughs> sing and I can't sing. I want to play with a baby doll. So I don't want to get none of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're the we are the Ark of the New Covenant. Leviticus 26, 11 and 12 and amplified he said, "I'll set my dwelling in and among you, and I'll walk in and with you and among you, and I will be your God and you'll be my people." Ezekiel 37:27 says, "The tabernacle of the dwelling place,
2: the tabernacle of the dwelling place, will now be in them."
1: You, you, you realize you, you was born in this covenant, so you're like, yeah, that's pretty good. Could you imagine taking an old covenant person and telling them this? They said, are you crazy? You're telling me that you're going to... No, you're, you're going to be the very tabernacle God. You remember the guy who tried to steady the cart and put his hand on it and was killed instantly by touching it? You're You're the cart. Why do you think we lay hands on the sick? We're transferring the anointing right. through words and through touch. I laid hands on a woman years ago in Clinton who was doing healing school. I, I don't know why I didn't ask her. Maybe I should have. I don't know why I didn't. But she came from Montgomery. I don't, I don't remember who she is. I don't know how she knew we was doing it. Someone told her to do it healing school. And she came down and I laid hands on her and I just... Heard what I heard, so I just did what I heard. And I asked the the men who were there that morning, said, would you pick her up again? And I laid hands on her, and she fell down again. I said, I don't know. Would you pick her up again? And I laid hands on her, and she fell down again three times. She came back to, to, to our class two, three weeks later. <clears throat> we were having healing school and ministering to the sick. She said, do you remember me? And I said, "How you been here? She said, yeah, I was here a few weeks ago. She said, I had three things in my body that was incurable. And I heard about this healing school hoping God would heal them, could help me. She said, you never did ask me what was wrong with me. And I said, I kind of remember that now. She said, but I went to each doctor, each one in a different situation. One is a female issue. In a sense of I lived a life I shouldn't have lived, and I'm carrying something I shouldn't be carrying because of the choices I made. There's no cure for it. You know what I'm saying? She said, that was gone. she said, that's completely gone. She said, I've had some other issues, where there's blood clots in my body. She said, and I'm on certain thinners, but if any of these blood clots ever move, she said, I'm, de- I'm dead just like this. She said, they said, every one of them is dissolved. Your blood's normal. She said, I have some issues in my back, and she says, and I'm lined up for surgery, and she says, and my back's completely healed, and I'm normal. She said, I'm a perfectly healthy human being who's forgiven, and I love Jesus, and thank you very much for your ministry. Amen. I didn't ask her anything. I didn't ask her if she had faith. I didn't ask her nothing. Right? She just came in his presence, and we just, we'd be in the ark of the new covenant.
2: Hmm? See, God's raising up carriers. I don't know if you ever thought, thought of
1: that, but 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 you're a carrier, yes. right? That's what we said the other day. We said if the enemy can put something over on you by transferring, then why why should the church have to get permission? If someone who has the flu, not without your permission, but sneezes on you and you pick that germ, could you have the flu? Yes. The answer is yes. Right. It's not a trick question. If someone who has pneumonia and the flu kisses you square in the mouth, hopefully it's someone you know, you know, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> could you receive the virus that way? If they did that without your permission, could you still receive the virus? Yes, just for the transferring of one body to another, right? If you are the Lord's anointed and his anointing is within you and it's released through touch, can you release the life in you against the sickness in them? Yeah. Does light, according to the scripture, overcome darkness? Yeah. Does, it says in John 1, right? Yeah. It said the light was in him and the light is now in men. And, he says in the, and it says the darkness can't put it out. How do you know that? Well, that's, a, that's an illustration from, 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 from uh, Charles uh, Caps. He said, you can go to a, a dungeon or a basement with, with no outside lights down underneath. It's pitch dark. He said, but as soon as you strike a match, as soon as you turn on the flashlight, what happens? Light overcomes the dark. But let me ask you this. If you was in a room that had glass all the way around, Back when I was in the floor covering business, one of the hardest jobs I ever did was an octagon house. You're working with 12-foot goods in an octagon house. You just have to go and tell the owner to be straight with it. You figure to buy a lot of scrap, lots of scrap, because there's no way to not waste 12-foot-wide carpet in an octagon house that's eight-sided. But it was, it's full of windows. But what if one day you said, I don't like all this light. Can you go to, the, uh, you go to Lowe's or Home Depot and,
2: and buy a dark bulb and put it out? See, light extinguishes the dark.
1: But dark can't put light out. The Bible says you are the children of light. You've been translated out of darkness into light. You are of the kingdom of light. You are the ark of the covenant. You are the vessel and the container of the glory of God. You are the carrier of this. You have been affected and you can affect people every time that you minister to them. Let me finish here this morning. The impartation of the glory of God from Jesus to you and me. Psalms 8.5 says, God has made you human beings a little lower than himself by crowning you with his glory and his honor. Romans 3.23 said, all humans have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins because of the blood were forgiven And restoration of the glory of God to the saints of God is now a fact. That's what Jesus said. John 17, 22, Jesus said, I will give to them the glory and the honor which you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Haggai 2, 9 says, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. me about the day that you and I live in. The glory of our house will be greater than the glory of the former days. Y'all got your seatbelt on? Here we go. You ready? The calling of Moses came through a burning bush, Aaron's rod turning into a serpent and eating the rods and snakes of Pharaoh's magicians. The ten ten plagues of Egypt, water turned into blood, frogs and lice and flies and livestock dying of diseases and boils and hails and locusts and darkness and the death of the firstborn the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt and their instant wealth and health, the instant crossing of the Red Sea on dry land, the bitter waters of Moriah sweetened uh, manna from heaven and the quail provided as food. Moses drawing water from a rock, the pillar of fire that read the Israelites by night, the cloud that led them by the day the israelite sandals not wearing out the glory of god resting on and filling the tabernacles joshua divided in the waters of the jordan river the conquest of the promised land the walls of jericho falling into defeat of the city. Gideon, Connachar, and the Midianites was only a small remnant of men. Elisha causing the axe to float on the Jordan River. Samson tearing apart a lion and killing thousands of Philistines in the temple through his supernatural strength. The widow and Zarephath provided for by the multiplication of the oil and the flour. The widow and Zarephath being provided for a year and then having her son raised from the dead, both through the ministry of Elijah. Elijah's sacrifice on Mount Carmel being consumed with fire from heaven. The return of rain in Israel after three and a half years of drought. Elisha's bones reviving a dead man. David killed the Philistine giant Goliath, became king, defeated Israel's armies. Daniel's friends surviving the fiery furnace. Daniel being preserved from the lion's den by the mighty hand of God. And then before initiating the new covenant, Through his death and resurrection, Jesus gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, health to the lame, the lepers, the paralytics, and even life to the dead. Jesus walked on water. He calmed storms. He fed thousands through the multiplication of only a few loaves and fish. All these things took place under the old covenant.
2: And they represent a former glory. Imagine what the latter glory will be like.
1: what manifestations can we expect to experience in the latter glory? A rapid advancement on the kingdom of God on earth. Greater works than these spectacular manifestations of the former glory, Jesus said greater works. Supernatural provision, protection, and prosperity, wealth, and freedom from debt. There'll be radical transformations, instant creative signs and miracles and wonders and the casting out of demons. Millions of souls will be won for Christ in a single day. Amen. There'll be dominion over nature and phenomena will not be able to fathom it. Cities will be shaken and nations and continents through the reformation produced by the glory of God. Great grace and deliverance and divine health and restoration and renewal. What is the atmosphere of the glory of God? The word sanctuary means the atmosphere with the glory of God manifest. The atmosphere of the glory through continuous prayer, offerings, intercession, praise, worship, obedience, and honor. Ecclesiastes 11.3 said, If the clouds are full of rain, they will empty themselves upon the earth. A glorious church in closing is one... <clears throat> Excuse me. A glorious church is one that is in the movement of the glory of God. It visibly demonstrates the the power of God with miracles, signs and wonders and healings and the casting out of demons. A glorious church manifests the holiness and the character and the purity of its king. It manifests his wealth on earth.
2: It shines with the light of Christ. It testifies of him everywhere. It removes the darkness. A glorious church
1: continually preaches and establishes and expands the kingdom of God
2: everywhere. I don't I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> sure. Um, There's uh, angelic beings here this morning.
1: They're on assignment. The Glorious Church continually preaches, establishes, and expands the kingdom of God everywhere. It manifests the resurrection life of Christ by doing creative miracles, by raising the dead, and by taking dominion in every area of society, government, politics the arts the science the medicine the economy the business sports education religion and
2: more welcome to the movement of the glory of god glory yes hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah